You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good day to you, Josiah. Wow, Ethan, I was not ready for that. I was I wasn't either. Prepared for you weren't ready for that either. Uh, you just spontaneously jump out of your yeah, it kind of did voice box. I was thinking about this recently, about how we've occasionally commented on our proclivity to not say each other's names in a podcast. Yes, and you know, I do listen. I listen to podcasts a lot, and they do say their names a lot. But after a while, my mind glazes over that because oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, and so I kind of forget that that's even a convention. Yeah, right? and I was like, man, I wonder if that's strange for people if they jump in to us on one of those many podcasts where it doesn't cross our mind. But then I remembered something. (laughs) The description of every podcast has a little bit of like a one-line summary to give people a feel of what it is. And it says, Pastor Josiah and Ethan. Oh, yeah, that's right. And if someone listened to this and was confused about which one of us was a pastor, (laughs) there's no helping that, really. It's like... <laughs> oh, especially not because I was talking to a listener of our podcast recently. Really? Who will probably know who they are as soon as I start talking <laughs> about this, but we were talking. And he was like, Ethan's got some Whoa. theological chops. Oh, that. He was commenting on that specifically. I, I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but I, that, that makes me feel really good. I thank you for that. That was very nice of you. Uh, yes, yes. I agree with the, the naming thing. I figure it is interesting. I do it? glaze over that on the podcasts I listen to where they do that. Yeah. And most of the people who are listening to this on a super regular basis are people in oh, yeah. our sphere anyway. Exactly. So they would know you're voice yeah and probably me anecdotally anecdotally (laughs) what's that that's josiah's voice and the other one's not clearly not josiah therefore (laughs) yeah that must be ethan by logical deduction i'm sherlock holmes we've had like childhood stories now and then yeah and stuff like that so it's like the context is there yeah it is it's there things are there yeah so we're not a total cringe fest. No. Us. Well, usually not. I think not. I think we overcome that. <laughs> we overcome that. You know what is a cringe fest, though? Oh, tell me. Do you want to imbibe in a cringe fest for a little bit? <laughs> I want to imbibe in this <laughs> cringe <you>? fest. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've got some cringe for you. All right. I've got some cringe for you, and I got some cringe for whoever's listening right oh, now. Oh, man. Last week, someone sent me a link to a sermon. Okay. This happens from time to time, you know. I'm a pastor, and people were Christians you know, and yeah. people. But this particular sermon, it was different. Okay. It's different. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Normally what happens is someone will send me a sermon that, you know, encouraged them or challenged them, helped them in some profound way. Okay. You know, That's as nice. you would. Yeah, send a sermon and just think. It sounds like something my mom would do for sure. <laughs> she, if she likes a song, she wants you to like it with her. So I, I see that people We're would to Share that. the joy, you know, share the encouragement. Right, right, right. So they just want to share that with me, but... This sermon, this sermon, oh man, oh boy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I love when people have that experience and decide you must have the same experience and they are the herald. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> oh, mm. oh, it is. So this sermon opens with this guy saying, I've put much study, reading, preparation, and prayer into today. Uh-oh. Just like that, yeah. And he then goes on to preach about healing from emotional wounds. Mm. Actually, it's pretty pretty great content. Oh. Get some really good analogies. Some like really, I'm like that's helpful stuff. Yeah, there's a problem. Oh, this is where the cringe comes in. None of this sermon is his content. No. None of it. Oh, no, 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 zero no, no. percent. <laughs> I wonder what kind of prep and prayer he was really doing. <laughs> like. 
Lord, give me the strength to plagiarize. Like, what are you doing, man? That, that's, I, oh, I don't know. It was, uh, you know that feeling of secondhand just embarrassment or- oh, Yes, do I ever. I Beginning to end, when you realize what is happening. <laughs> oh, no. I, it, it hurts. It hurts the soul. Um, and it's out there, too. Oh, it is. In fact- what happened was this guy discovered this pastor is plagiarizing this sermon. And so what he did was he he made this video and he he put side by side comparison of this gentleman preaching quote unquote his sermon yeah, right. with the actual author and preacher of the original sermon, Mark Driscoll. Oh. Y'all remember Mark Driscoll? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, Mark Driscoll. <laughs> Subtle. Yeah. So this is a sermon he was preaching almost two years ago, and this guy apparently just decided, I can- That's long enough. Just completely- (laughs) (laughs) Statue of limitations. Yeah, that's like, yeah, it's like, uh, what's that, public domain? Like, oh yeah, in the world of preaching, (laughs) after two years, it's in the public domain of preaching. If we're we're brothers in Christ, it doesn't count. Like what? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is totally fine, right? I mean, you know, it's like it's just like quote. <laughs> so yeah, this dude straight up plagiarizes this sermon, but also he does it down to the gestures, the gestures. What? He what? stole Mark Driscoll's gestures. How can you spend that much time memorizing? It's amazing. It's a it's a four act play. <laughs> What is he doing? <laughs> and it's like useful for one weekend. That's a lot of I work. I know. And think about all the time that you spent doing all this. You could have been writing. Get this. <laughs> your own sermon. <laughs> Write your own sermon, man. Oh, man. That's so, rough. yeah. I mean, to come back to what you said, the only study, reading, <laughs> preparation, and prayer this guy put into this was studying and reading and preparing Driscoll's script and delivery and praying, Lord, please don't let me get caught doing this, which it's the year 2021. Yeah. People have the internet. It's helpful in such things. Also, you picked one of the most well-known preachers in the 21st century to plagiarize from. Yeah. You know, like, if you had picked some guy, you know, in another state down the road, you pick Mark Driscoll. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who's like, every sermon he's preached is online. Mm-hmm. Why? People in another country could have figured they it out. another country could have figured it out. Uh, what in the world? You know what else is crazy? As mm. it turns out, this guy left a previous church because guess what? Mm, no. He got caught plagiarizing sermons. That's too much, man. How's he doing this? I don't know. Or rather, how do the new people just like not have a clue or like don't care? Yeah, I guess not because I'm not going to, I don't want to mention the guy's name. If you Google, sure, if sure. you're interested and you want to Google sermon plagiarization and look at the most recent results, you'll find it. You'll, you'll see the whole thing. I, I mean, it's out there in the public. So I love imagining the job interview that he went through. You know what I mean? They're like, they're like, okay, what do you, what do you bring to the table? And he goes, what's your favorite sermon? I'll preach it. I'll preach it right now. I'm like what? <laughs> oh. Oh, like, yeah, what do you what do you consider your skill sets? Acting, impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like them to be? <laughs> oh, it's just it's so cringe to behold. So anyway, if you really, I mean, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, you can. And um, there are a couple of good podcasts and articles that cover why a pastor ought never plagiarize, as if that needed to be said. Oh, sure, yeah. This has shown up in several major news outlets. So I'm not going to talk about the same things 
they talked about. I'm sure. not I'm not so interested in that angle of it. If you want more on that, I would actually recommend a recent episode of the Doctrine and Devotion podcast where they dug into why pastors shouldn't plagiarize, not even sermons, obviously, as if that yeah. was a question again. They said some good stuff on that, so I, I don't want to plagiarize them. But this whole controversy, I say all this to say, it sparked a little question in my mind, and I think this question applies to, if not all of us, most of us, whether we're pastors or not. Because, I mean, this is a pretty unique scenario, right? you got a pastor plagiarizing sermons. There's not a great crowd of people that's going to be a danger for necessarily. (laughs) Right. But it did raise the question in my mind, why would this guy plagiarize sermons in the first Mm. place? Like, why would you do that? I mean, we've already joked, you know, all the time it would take you to learn another guy's content down to the gestures. You could spend that time actually not lying, you know, and being in preparation study and prayer. And why would you do that in an age when it is so easy for other people to discover what you have done? Mm -hmm. And this is not the first time he's done this. He left another church because of it. He's apparently done it dozens, if not hundreds of times. So you could probably give a number of different answers to that question. I mean, you could say perhaps it was laziness or just indifference. You could maybe say, oh, crunch for time, can't write anything. You give a number of answers to that, you know? Crunch for time every single week. (laughs) I I think like maybe the most optimistic read you could possibly have is that he thought there was really, really great content and he didn't feel like he could do a better job on his own delivering it. Sure. um, And thought, oh, I just, I got to bring this to my people. But I also, I'm not going to tell you that I also believe that because when you copy the gestures, I I don't think you can be all like, no, it was just so good. I also had to do the gestures. (laughs) They were the perfect gestures, and I had to do them all. <laughs> I had to do the gestures. It's a little much. Oh, yeah. And I mean, at that point, if that's your thinking, you could probably say, hey, this is not my sermon. Mark Driscoll preached this on such and such a date at such and such a place, and I thought it was really great. I can't say it better than he could, so right. that's what I'm going to say today. Like, exactly. Okay, that's not great, but you at know. Least at least that's a, a, a personal and upfront way to explain exactly what's happening. Yeah, exactly. But I actually think that that kind of leads us into the larger underlying issue of this, and that is that the reason I think someone would be willing to do something so foolish is because we tend to attach our value to how others perceive us. Hmm. So he wants to be perceived as the kind of guy who could write material like that and preach a sermon like that and be commended for that. You know, I just keep going with the example. You got this guy preaches a sermon that he claims is his. It's really Mark Driscoll's. And however you may feel about Mark Driscoll, you know, if you are familiar with him, you know, there were some pretty big controversies around him, you know, in 2013, 2014. Or if you don't know who he is, here's the bottom line. He is a great communicator and preacher. He just, he's very good. He's very good at that. And in his heyday, especially, I mean, people loved that about him. I mean, they commended him. They quoted him. I mean, people loved him. And I mean, that's that's going to feel pretty good. I mean, you know what? No two ways around that. To this day, many people obviously still do all three with it. You know what I mean? But the problem with all that comes in when we attach a person's sense of value to the attainment of that kind of praise. Like if that's how we assign value to others, it's how we'll, I guess, misunderstand our own value. Yeah. Yeah. So the often subconscious thinking goes, I only matter if I can give something or do something or be something that merits commendation, quotation, Mm -hmm. praise, all those things. And therefore I will do whatever it takes in order to give, do, or be something that gets me that commendation Mm -hmm. or that quotation or that praise, because that's exactly right. Like we say, oh, well that guy, Mark Driscoll, gets all this praise because he's a good preacher. That means in some sense, you know, we wouldn't, I think, articulate it this way, but we're thinking 
he's more valuable as a person. Yeah. Like he has a higher sense of value. And if I want to have that sense of value, I have to be able to do the same thing he does. And the easiest way for me to do that is just literally do what he does. You things. know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, you got a guy like this pastor, if he's so insecure about his own preaching ability, uh. but he's dead set on being applauded by his congregation, he'll simply steal a sermon to get the results he's looking for. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think that's especially true in our own lives when we compare a perceived deficit that's uniquely ours. Yes, exactly. Like, so this guy's a pastor, he preaches sermons, and then here's Driscoll, who's achieved fame and in reverence in some cases for preaching sermons. Right. And I think that contrast sharpens the feeling of the sense of inadequacy Mm -hmm. like for me when i see design work that feels like so superior and like almost arcane to me how in the world did they do that it makes me feel like i'm just playing in a sandbox with like a stupid little bag of tricks (laughs) like it makes me feel inadequate and it feels like i don't have anything original to to say or create well that must make me a bad artist and somehow somehow everyone can see that i'm this imposter and how you know however am i going to to achieve somehow magically the exact same standards that i perceive that person of having Right. It's a vicious cycle. Yes, it is. And, you know, when you get your sense of personal value wrapped up in that, it becomes, I think, especially destructive. And I think that's exactly the underlying issue that kind of applies to all of us Mm. in this story, because that strikes me as true about all manner of life and work, as you kind of pointed out. When we attach our value to how we're perceived by others... Depending on who the others are, they might only perceive you in a good light if you give them a good enough product. You know, like if you're friends with a bunch of great painters, Mm. you might freak out and attach your value to the kind of art you make, which means that if you don't feel like you're making art that's good (laughs) enough, you might steal someone else's art and pass it off as your own so that you'll get applauded and so you'll feel more valuable. And you just go on down the line for all manner of life and work. You know, if your friends are intellectuals, you might steal someone else's thoughts or ideas or words and pass them off as your own because it will get you the applause you want and that will give you you know this sense of oh i'm worthwhile i matter i i have value as a person you just keep going down the line basically right it really fits into a lot of different scenarios yeah i appreciate that you used the word insecurity earlier because i think that is so key it is like the counterweight to where you find your value yeah in the pit of the absence is your insecurity yeah and i think that can so easily drive the destructive actions yeah exactly and that I think if you really want to get down to the bottom of it, this comes down to what, or perhaps better, who determines your value, which then goes a level deeper and determines what or who you worship. So I think this is a question of worship, ultimately, right? When you work its way down to its, its implications. And this is why I think Christians have historically been so adamant about the fact that human beings are created in the image of God. Hmm. Because what we're saying when we say we're made in the image of God is we are not self-made. God made us. Right. Which, if that's true, means that our value does not come from within us intrinsically, nor do we create it. Right? Mm. That's the whole problem. Is like we think I have to create this value for myself. Mm. And oh my gosh, what a nightmare to live in. Because if you do that, again, you will never be good enough. Right. I think you get that from even the people who are at the top of their game in whatever their field is. Absolutely. They all will come back and say, yeah. like, I don't feel good enough. You've never become immune to this. No. The greatest artist of our day will probably look at the works of, like, a Leonardo da Vinci and say, I'll never be that good. And therefore, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's just so destructive. Whereas when we say we're made in the image of God, we're saying our value is given to us extrinsically. It means our value and worth doesn't even begin with us as a starting point. It begins with God. It comes to us from God. It is a gift that he gives to us. 
And it's, if I might speak about it this way, I mean, it's fixed in him, which means that because he doesn't change and because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the same goes with the value of human beings who are made in his image. It cannot be changed or taken away from us. Is is the word immutable? Ah, yes, that's a great word. God is immutable. Yes, yes. And uh, because God is the one who made us, we take that the next step. He is the one we are to worship and obey. Mm. And he is the one who ultimately affirms our value as image bearers. Because you will feel insecurity if if you're basically worshiping people. Yeah. You're experiencing the fear of man. They change a lot. Very frequently. Their standards never remain the same. No. They will change that on you on a dime mm-hmm. based on what is going to suit their needs best. Sure. So you will live in this constant insecurity of, am I good enough? Is what I'm making good enough? Do I actually matter to these people? And you will, you will constantly be fighting that. And again, as we've said before, that's a nightmare to yeah. live in, an absolute nightmare. Whereas God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's immutable. He does not change. <laughs> He does not pass from one state to another. You know, it doesn't go from I love you one minute because you did something good to I hate you and you're, you know, I I revoked your value as a human being, you know, the next. And if we worship him, recognizing that, we know that, oh, our value is fixed in him. It doesn't change. His standards don't change. It's not like, you know, he's out here nickel and diming us or anything like that. And so when we get this flipped around, start worshiping people and expecting them to somehow determine our value, we'll do crazy things like plagiarize sermons or plagiarize anything or pass off anything as our own that's not our own. I mean, just we'll do more than those things. You know, we will do all manner of insane acts in order to affirm basically, oh, we matter. We have value. But in worshiping God by giving our hearts to Christ in faith and knowing that we're our father's beloved children, not because of anything we have to offer, that's a big thing, right? Christ knew we had nothing worth offering to him, and yet he suffered for us. He died for us that we might be brought back to God simply because he loves us. I think that obviously is going to put a lot of your fears and sins uh, to rest right there. Uh, Not perfectly, but if nothing else, in the moments when we're tempted to forget, oh, I've got to figure out, you know, like I I have to make my own value. Like I have to do that. If we can come back to this, that no, God created you. He made you in his image. He loves you. And there's nothing in the world that can take that away from you. That source of value is fixed. Yeah, it's fixed. And you don't have to lose your mind (laughs) trying to do work that proves you have value. You can just do good work because, oh, I'm free to do this. And this is what God has given me abilities to do. I mean, that even allows us to learn from our mistakes. Yeah. Whereas previously, it would somehow subtract from this artificial bank account of value. Right. But that's never the case. It's just, it becomes an opportunity to still learn and improve and grow whatever that output is, whatever that passion is. That's not something that defines you, but is complementary. Yeah, exactly. I will never be as great a preacher as George Whitfield. Just not going to happen, right? But I'm going to do what God has called me to do, knowing that, hey, guess what? My value isn't determined by whether or not I'm as good a preacher as George Whitfield or Mark Driscoll. Mm. And uh, I can be the person that God has uniquely created me to be with the unique gifts he's given to me and how freeing that is. And you can do the same thing. I find that immensely reassuring. Yeah. And you, listener, you can do the same thing. Just amazing. I just... (laughs) To come back to our fellow here to wrap this up, you know, (laughs) there is really no one in the world like you. Like, I mean, that's, you know, I know we uh, sometimes that gets beaten down like to death. Like, oh, you're so unique. You know, there's no one like you in the world. And it becomes (laughs) this kind of platitude. But like, I mean, that's like God has uniquely created each of us. Yeah. And how much more awesome would it be for that guy's church 
if he was the pastor and preacher that God made him to be, instead of trying to be the pastor and preacher that he made Mark Driscoll to be. Right. I will quote a, uh, it doesn't exactly apply, but it's, it's, it's in the similar vein, our friend Craig Rochelle. Yeah. <laughs> we listen to these leadership trainings from him every once in a while, and he'll, what does he says? He says, uh, people love a leader who's no, real, yeah. as opposed to like a, re- a Always leader. real instead of always right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's not exactly analogous, but I think there's that spirit there. Of, yeah, there's yeah, some like, connective Yeah, like, you know, like, you need to be the person that God has created you to be, obviously, as you're being conformed to the image of his son, not just, you know. I even think that's interesting because it seems to uh, assign certain, it's, <laughs> assign value, what, to mistakes, mm-hmm. the way that that's phrased, which is interesting because otherwise, like I was saying, it's only in this very weird world of assigning value to your product, it's yeah. a detriment, but, mm-hmm. but there really is value in making mistakes and even those of others. Yeah. Because if you can see that in your leader, that's very humanizing. And it I, is. I think as someone who values vulnerability, I've actually, I appreciate that sort of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do. Yeah. So stop plagiarizing. That's right. <laughs> Simple as that. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, hopefully this episode was helpful to you. If you thought about passing off anything that's not yours as yours, don't do that. Probably not. Just don't do it. Just, mm-hmm. I'm, this is, you were looking for a sign? Here it is. Right here. This don't do it. it. Don't do it. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we do hope that you were helped by this episode. And if you were and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, that'd be great. Yeah, just you don't know. copy anyone yeah. else's review. don't do that. Just yeah. make it, you know. Make it your own. Oh, you know, what a great example of how, how disappointing it would be if you plagiarized a review. Disappointing yeah. for us. Yeah. But if it was original, even if there was a typo or a mistake in it. <laughs> I don't care. I, would, I, I don't care. I yeah. don't care at all. That's fine. Take the love. We'll exactly. take the love. Exactly. <laughs> and if you have any questions on this or any other topic, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. Thank you as always for listening and we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.